All right, so we're here. This is episode one, the pilot of the Ship Toasters. The idea of this podcast is uh, we're going to take a hilarious take on the top two, three, four news stories of the week in tech, business, or startups, and then see if good things happen. So, yeah, is that is that good with you guys? Chris, you all right with that? I'm okay with that. I don't know if it'll be hilarious. I guess we'll find out in 30 minutes. <laughs> Look, at least I think the jokes will be funny. Uh, and Alex, okay, let's talk about the fact you have a Peloton in the back of your video. I need to show everyone that I'm fit. <laughs> What's going on? <laughs> you you need to be like everybody else with their Peloton and uh, and hang some clothes on it. Every time I go to my friend's house, their Peloton's a coat, an extension of their closet. So I had a jacket on it, and right before our call, I moved it onto this big-ass desk. So you can't see it anymore. I look really clean and fit. Look like I just got off a Peloton bike. You should be drinking like out of a Peloton water bottle the whole episode. We need I to should. Are you. they the first sponsor of the podcast? Yeah, this first sponsor. Peloton. brought to you by Peloton. We can't <laughs> can, sell any bikes, so we've hired the ship toasters to promote us. Can they? Can they? Uh, let's see if they can afford us. So the idea. So maybe Chris, do you want to give us the genesis of the podcast for people listening? Like, what's the? Why does anybody care? Well, I think they care because we all tweet things about uh, stories that are happening on a daily basis, and we don't have faces for television, so we have to do a podcast instead. So uh, that is really the genesis, I think. I don't know. I was invited by you guys, so I don't know if there's there's more to the story, but that was sort of uh, my take on it. Well, me and Alex were DMing, and I said, who's the funniest guy you know? And we called that guy, and he wasn't available. And then we called two <laughs> yep. other people, and they said no. And you were Trung, yeah, Trung yes, couldn't no. make it. Jack Rains couldn't make it. <laughs> Trung couldn't make 17th it. 17th on the list. Yep. <laughs> I'm okay with that. All right. That. So I think the value prop is if you listen to this podcast and you don't want to read the news during the week and you want to know the top three or four big things that happen in tech startup or business and you want it to be fun – We'll, we'll spend a half hour. We'll go through each of the stories. Might give you some insights. None of us are – what I think is cool is none of us are like Silicon Valley or New York like business insiders. Like none of us write for the Wall Street Journal. Like we're just random dudes on the internet, uh, which I think is great. Uh, unlike some other podcasts, which are all like <laughs> total insiders. I'm like, these guys are so cool. We're not cool. Yeah, we're like a less smart, more funny version of the podcast that you're referring to. <laughs> the sun. Yeah, one of the ideas for this podcast was called the Somewhat In Podcast. <laughs> the Partially In Podcast. Maybe we'll change it. Who knows? Yeah. So, okay, Perfect. so let's get started. So the big story of the week, and maybe Alex walk us through this. The big story of the week is Amazon, like, laid off 17,000 people from corporate. And, like, we're officially, like, in, have laid off more people than ever in tech. If I understand it right? Yeah, we're full on in a recession. Everyone's laying off people. This is this is the white collar recession we were predicting would happen in early 2020. And we just uh, delayed it two years, I think is what happened. Just everyone said money, money printer go burr, stocks go up, let's hire everyone. And then now we're all paying the consequence for it. It's nuts. Like that's a lot of people. So like what percentage of Amazon's workforce is that that they've laid off 17,000 people? I mean, what it's probably really small, right? Because I, I don't think you can include. No, I think it's big. Like, how many people do they have working in corporate versus delivery drivers and operations and facilities? Like, it's probably ten to twenty percent of their corporate headcount. Is it corporate or is it Amazon retail? I guess I've I've seen different things. So I pulled it. 
I pulled up the article from the Wall Street Journal. They laid off 5% uh, of the of their corporate workforce and 1.2% of the overall 1.5 million employees they have as of September. So by and oh. large, it's a big number by itself. But still, it's only 1/20th of their corporate workforce. That's still huge. What do the other 95% do? Uh Man, I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what they all do. <laughs> uh, uh, they have a, uh, according to every uh, Jeff Bezos videos I've watched, they have a obsession with customers. So maybe they're all obsessing with customers. They're all building the, the day one wooden desks and, and bringing two pizzas into meetings and just shuffling you know things back and forth, I think. Do you guys know the, uh, the Amazon Whole Foods acquisition story and what happened with the two engineering teams there? No. No. Okay, so... Um, I don't know if everyone knows this. Whole Foods is based here in Austin. Uh, they've been around for a long time before Amazon acquired them. And like, you don't expect a grocery chain to have a good software engineering team. It's just not like Whole Foods is not recruiting SpaceX, Tesla, Amazon engineers. And so when Amazon bought Whole Foods, um, like 99% of the engineers did not pass the coding interviews for the levels that they were at at Whole Foods that corresponded to the levels at Amazon. And so Amazon had to recreate an entire org structure to match. Like basically a level three at Whole Foods was like a level one in Amazon. And then after they finished the integration uh, of the two, like basically finished the Whole Foods integration into Amazon, like most of that Jeez. team was let go. Well, that's terrible. So I, I could be like a 10X, I'm like a 10X Whole Foods engineer is like my new title on LinkedIn. Like I'm yeah. a terrible engineer, <laughs> but like at Whole Foods, I just absolutely crush like I'm slinging like sub sandwiches and like kale smoothies left and right on their e-commerce site. That's pretty good. hundred percent. And there's probably more nuance to that story that I don't know, but that's, that's the gist of what I heard from people who were at Whole Foods at the time of the acquisition. So there's this kind of idea of, of layoffs, right? There's like, there's three types of layoffs. There's like this layoff with uh, with Amazon where they're laying off 5% of their corporate workforce. And to me, when I see that a lot of times I'm like, okay, well, like what these really these guys are doing is they've maybe hired too much too fast, and like this is our excuse to like get some people out the door who are lower performers. Then you have the other end of the spectrum, which is you have the twenty to twenty five percent riff, which is hey, like demand is actually super slow, cash is tight, we got to make a big change. And then you have the third kind of the layoff, which is the twelve to fifteen percent layoff, which actually does nothing except set you up to do another ten percent layoff six months later uh, to get to the the twenty five percent. So is that what's going on with this? Like, do we what do we suspect is happening with Amazon? Which of these threes is it? Is it the is it the baby layoff where we're just trying to you know, yank and rank some people, rank and yank some people out of the the company? That's what I would guess. I mean, I think if they were actually struggling, they would have laid off a much larger percentage of people at the company. Um, I don't know what their financials look like, and and I, I doubt it's slow to the point where they need to do a thirty percent riff. Um, it's probably just weeding out the people who all joined during the pandemic and are not performing and they need to just cut some of the fat and 2023 is the year to do yeah, it. I the mean, number, no one, yeah. The number of companies doing like uh, subsequent 12 to 15% layoffs like over and over has been pretty astounding too, right? Like you've seen this a lot, I think in the real estate space, you've seen this with Redfin and Compass and better. It's like, we expect things to keep getting better. They're not getting better. So like, that's the most painful thing to watch, right? Are these companies where I think like Peloton too, they're on their like third or fourth layoff over a 12 month period. And, uh, who knows if Amazon's in that boat, but, um, 
feels like they easily could be right. If, uh, if enough things slow down with their consumer business. Um, but yeah, I agree. This feels like sort of a, a baby layoff to, to sort of potentially weed out some underperformers. So the problem with Peloton's financials is Alex only has the cycle and hasn't bought the rower and the, and the treadmill. Alex, are you going to help him out and add one to your repertoire back there? I mean, at least for your background, we need that. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. And I actually bought this one on Facebook Marketplace. So turns out so, there's a lot of people during the so pandemic. so cheap. You didn't even buy a new one? <laughs> no, it was great. It the- still had the plastic on it. I bought it from some like suburban couple 40 minutes away. The guy was like, yeah, I bought it for my wife. She uses it three times in the last two years. I was like, great. Well, I will use it more than three for, times. For the... For those of you listening, you know, one of the things we asked through this podcast was, Alex, we need you to get like a professional mic. And I could hear all the way from Austin to San Antonio, the creaking of Alex's wallet opening up to actually be used to buy something. (laughs) (laughs) It was pretty impressive. Guess what I paid? That's the game we need to play is like, what do you think I paid for that How much did you pay for your Peloton? 600 bucks. What do they they usually go for? 1,200? 1,500? Yeah, 12 to 1,400. So you got it half off, ridden three times, plastic still on it pretty good yeah yeah can't beat it their subscription is expensive though like if you have the bike it's very it's 49 dollars a month to to actually use the peloton app on the bike if you don't have their bike and you just like use a standalone tv or their app it's 12 bucks a month i don't know or you could just go outside <laughs> yeah just ride a <laughs> bike you just outside. go outside and run around the hit street. by a car like <laughs> Oh, give me a break. I haven't been hit by a car yet. I'm fine. All right. (laughs) I mean, the crazy thing about these layoffs is, like, you hear about them over and over again from tech, but, like, you still go, like, into Main Street, like, and all my buddies and stuff, they're still like, we can't hire. There's no candidates. Like, it's it's so limited at this point, and I'm just curious to see if the contagion, like, continues, right? Does it go off into these other industries? But, like, like, everybody's still hiring like crazy in normal markets, and you saw it in the jobs report today. So, it's totally confusing. Yeah, beat yep. expectations. I think it's it's pretty limited, pretty limited to tech, and it feels like it. Uh, I mean, maybe maybe things trickle, right? Like there's there's probably a case for uh, in certain cities, you have all these tech workers making tons of money, and those people are supporting the the economy in so many different ways. So it doesn't take much for like, you know, if six thousand like Coinbase engineers all stop competing for like condos in San Francisco, then you have like a real estate problem, you have a new construction problem, you have a, like all the services around that problem, but you know, that could take many years for that to like actually shake out. Um, but yeah, every other industry feels, feels pretty healthy. Well, Chris, you're really close to the metal on recruiting. Like, have you seen recruiting issues still even amidst all of these layoffs? Um, with like small companies, a lot of them feel like they're going harder than ever. Like, you know, under 200 employees, uh, I think a lot of companies are, they're sitting on cash that they've managed well, like companies are still raising rounds. I I think a lot of like seed and series A stuff has been actually like fairly unaffected valuation wise. I mean, you still have a number of companies raising, you know, three to 5 million in seed rounds and going out there and hiring people. So I think for small companies and small businesses, um, there's still huge competition for, you know, engineers and and designers and product managers, um, you know, to the extent that a lot of these companies continue to look outside of the U S for, for talent. Um, but, but big companies, you know, that's where, that's where this is going to be interesting to shake out is that in general, at a startup, you have these engineers that are making, you know, maybe between a hundred and two hundred thousand dollars a year, because that's what the startup can afford. The people getting laid off from Peloton and Netflix, like their all-in comp, might be four, five, six hundred thousand dollars. 
So it's not as simple yeah. as like, oh, the Peloton guy just goes and gets a job at, you know, some startup you've never heard of. Like that would decrease her comp by 3x, 4x in a lot of cases. So the question is going to be, you know, I think a lot of these very high paid like FANG type tech workers are in positions to not need cash right away. But as they're unemployed for two, four, six months, like what happens and who are the companies that can actually afford to bring that engineer back in at, you know, 600K. Yeah, they can't afford their condo in SF anymore if they join the startup. They might have to buy a new Peloton, not a, not a used one from some guy on Facebook Marketplace. <laughs> All right, you guys want to talk about Bed Bath & Beyond? Travesty. This is, this is the saddest story I'd we're going to talk about today. Where, where am I going to get a salad shooter at 9 p.m. on that's a Sunday? How, that's, how, that's, how shitty, that's how shitty this story is. It's like we're just talking about like people losing their livelihoods, and it's like, <laughs> now on to the saddest well, story of the day. Bed Bath & Beyond's bankruptcy. Unfortunately, we decided to start this podcast in a week when there's like no Elon craziness. Uh, what, you know, there's like, no, there's no Sam Bankman freed. Like, oh man, like it's a quiet news week. Maybe it'll get better next week, but <laughs> sorry. Yeah, so anyway, layout, my salad shooter yeah. joke, my salad shooter joke. That's funny, right? Give it to what me. is a salad shooter? Do you guys don't know what a salad shooter is? Is that like the thing where you put your lettuce I have no in idea and what you that like is. press <laughs> the top and it spins it all around? <laughs> the salad, it's the salad spinner. But yeah, you press it down. You get your So you get your lettuce wet because you want to get the dirt off your lettuce and the bacteria because it's fertilized with manure sometimes. Hmm. And you want to wash it. And then your lettuce is unfortunately very wet. So you put it in this salad spinner, which is a plastic deal, and you press it down and it spins. You guys have never owned one of these? Hold on, I'm my just, I'm just, uh, I'm just taking notes that I'm supposed to wash my lettuce because it's covered in cow manure. Uh, I didn't know that. You have children. You don't own a salad spinner. You really should consider your parenting. That's what my I'm kid doesn't need salad. You guys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we we both have kids that are not eating salad yet. That's my favorite food right now is bananas. Yeah. All he wants is a banana. We can't go to this. He's like, we go to the store. He's sitting in his car. He's like, Nana, Nana, and you're like, bro, that's a toy. Does not know what it is yet. <laughs> Hey, you guys want to hear a secret? They refuse to eat salad when they're teenagers, too. Mm. <laughs> Does it work? I mean, I'm like, dude, are salads objectively so- even good? They're not that yeah, good. I think they're pretty good. Yeah. Anyway, so uh, at one point, my teenager, he was 12 or 13, and he was getting at least 100% of his calories for the day from peanut butter. That was it. He would just sit there and eat peanut butter out of a jar for every meal. I was like, how do you? How does your digestive system function? He was like, I'm fine perfectly normal so there you go all right so bed bath and beyond so it looks like they're about to go bankrupt yeah bed bath and bankruptcy so it's not a good time to be how have they not yeah that's probably the better question how like how have they like how how is this a story in 2023 that's shocking like i feel like i i read this every couple years like they might go bankrupt they might go bank how has it not happened like who is who who is going to bed bath no i mean they were a meme stock the last two years. That, did that My do wife. anything? <laughs> oh, your, your wife is single-handedly keeping Bed Bath & Beyond afloat for these last Dude, two years. Dude, I'm Gen X. I'm Gen X. <laughs> like, there's still things that we haven't woken up and smelled the 2000 yet, which is sometimes we walk into a store and we're like, dear sir, may we please have a salad shooter? <laughs> how, how many things do you own that are as seen on TV? Uh, very little. Uh, yeah, I'm not a boomer. <laughs> Give me a break. <laughs> 
is is the is the is like Bed and Bath and Beyond is it is it like the coupon economy that keeps them in business like that's what I think of is like they're always running a sale yeah. there's always people that want a deal like Alex and his Peloton <laughs> bike and so you know if you can go get like a a pepper shaker or whatever for like 50% off even if you yeah. don't need one you like get in the car spend seven dollars of gas to like go there fight parking in the parking lot and then go get your pepper shaker or whatever is that what happens there's definitely that i mean that's what we used to do like you go there and you're like hey i need a new blender and that's where you go get a new blender but i think it's the latest category where like amazon has just gone in and destroyed all of that like bedding blenders vacuums like who wants to go to a store to buy that stuff like you go on amazon you read the reviews you click a button i don't agree I don't agree. I mean, look at Best Buy. Best Buy did a full turnaround. I don't know if you guys remember, like, Best Buy was supposed to be mm-hmm. dead. Amazon was putting them out of business. Like, no one wanted to go in store to, to buy electronics. And, like, right. they're doing really well. And they've, they've recovered. And I think Bed Bath is a case of, like, they just stocked their store with shitty products. And no one wanted to buy them anymore. Like, why? We've gone there. I mean... I'm not a boomer or Gen X, but like we have gone there to look for sheets and towels and rugs and their stuff is just not good. Like I wouldn't buy yeah. it to put it in the house when I've got 300 options on Amazon that come same day. Wait, did you just agree with me? <laughs> but, <laughs> yes. No. Okay. So here's the, I would <laughs> no. just, the only thing I would tell you about what you're saying is buying an $1,800 laptop for most people is totally, which Best Buy sells a lot of, or a TV, like that's different than I'm spending $14 on like a new pair of sheets at Bed Bath & Beyond, right? Which is why, you know, much more comfortable doing it. But, but I hear you, like nothing's going to save you from being a, a sucky store. I mean, yeah. what's interesting about the Bed Bath & Beyond near me, which, you know, rest in peace, closed down, uh, guess what it's becoming? Are you guys? Is it one of the responses that was in reply to my tweet? <laughs> I don't know what it is. It's the uh it's the it's a great business, but it's these um these folks that go and lease big spaces. This one's called Salons by JC. It's basically we work for hair hairstylists and mm. and haircutters. So they go in, they lease the space and then they sublease the individual seats to haircutters. So it's basically like what you're seeing in so much of retail happening now, which is like old economy like selling of like cheap chinese products is getting replaced by experiential stuff like over and over again and it was like just a microcosm of that happening like right in my right in my neighborhood in nowheresville texas yeah it's like a ghost kitchen for the salon industry ah man it's a place to be like if you want to pick an industry to be in like find one that can't be offshore to someplace Mm -hmm. not in america like you want to be an HVAC, you want to be cutting hair, you want to be writing experiences, you want to be a government regulated thing that they can't send to uh, to a, uh, another country, right, Mirko? Mirko, our producers in Argentina, so he's a hero. Anyway, okay. Do we think anything more about Bed Bath and Beyond? Oh man, I mean, I can go on to my rant of like how they should have changed in the last uh, couple of years to adopt, but um, I mean, I've given this way too much thought. But I think Bed Bath and Beyond. <laughs> <laughs> should have completely converted to an Instagrammable D2C store and put in all of the high-end parachute linen, uh, linen and like Brooklyn and linen. Am I using the right words? Anyway, like Brooklyn and sheets and bedding and like Casper beds and all this stuff. And it is like a place where you go. It's got like dark moody vibes with like green plants in the background so that your influencers can take photos and like actually turned it into a uh, influencer D2C shop. I actually think it at least... It couldn't have gone worse than they've currently gone, so maybe maybe that's uh, the upside. But they just didn't do anything. 
in, in the last two years, they've, they've stayed yeah. the same course and they, they haven't changed their retail footprint at all. And no one's really done a good job of taking that online offline experience. And, you know, perhaps they could have been the one to do that, but, and maybe drop the beyond just like bed bath. It's cleaner. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's the genius of what Best Buy did. Like, and you look at a lot of these like retailers now, like the brands are subsidizing a ton of their stuff. Like if you, if you go to like to the grocery stores and all this delivery services they're rolling out, like that's all getting funded by the brands. Right. Like they're they're hosing Procter and Gamble and yep. you know Dr. Pepper Snapple and all these people and saying, Hey, do you want us to like promote you to in delivery? Congratulations, pay up, like we'll put you on the first page of our app. And uh, you know, I think that's what's genius about you know, about Best Buy is they had an opportunity to go to Microsoft and say, Hey, do you want to close all your stores? Great. Okay, pay us and we'll create a store within a store for you. And I think it's genius if Bed Bath and Beyond yeah. could have done that. So you're saying they would have had like a Warby Parker in there? I get I get two hundred fifty dollars glasses. Yeah, I mean Warby Parker, Brooklyn and Casper, Parachute. I mean, I'm sure there's other brands that I'm not even thinking of right now. But like, yeah, little micro. I mean, it's kind of like a mall. Bed Bath and Beyond is the size of a mall. Like most of their stores are way too big for what they sell. And um, I don't know. It kind of reminds me of when you go into a Nordstrom or a, or a Saks and they have their little Sephora booth in there. Or they've got their like you know purse section that's a specific brand. Bed Bath and Beyond probably could have done that for uh, for a lot of online brands that don't have a physical presence. When you originally pitched this, it sounded it sounded absurd, but I'm actually I'm actually on board with that. I uh, I don't hate that idea. Yeah, <laughs> what you, what you got? So here's what we do, Chris. We go take Alex's Peloton. We put it on Facebook Marketplace. We raise enough money yep. to go launch a hostile takeover out of bankruptcy of Bed Bath and Beyond, and we install Alex as the CEO. I'm in. And because we also great. got rid of the Peloton, everybody will believe he's the CEO now and take him very seriously and go from there. <laughs> I'm in. I feel like he needs to wear like tweed jackets to like fit in with the current <laughs> board. But outside of that, you know, he can just like sneak right in there and, and uh, you know, start saying bed bath and cut the beyond and then everybody will believe him and, and uh, story's yeah. over. The, the market cap's only like 100 million. Wow. Like this is, we only have to sell like a few thousand Peloton bikes to, to buy this fun? thing. Okay. It's not out I'll of I'll do reach. this, and I'll be the chairman of the board, but I just demand one thing, which is every time Alex talks to me, he goes, okay, boomer, just before, <laughs> before any sentence. That's how every one of our meetings starts. Wow, they okay, really are. Boomer. They're only a $120 million company. Like, we could crowdfund a hostile takeover at Bed Bath. Uh, yeah, I mean, you get some debt. You get the right thing. You probably need to put 60 or $80 million in equity in there. I mean... Let's go. So uh, unrelated note, I found out recently that there's a large percentage of GoFundMes that actually just fund terrorist organizations. So when you see uh, when, when you see like child in some country needs help, it is actually like half the time money laundering for terrorist organizations. So speaking of crowdfunding campaigns, um, that thought came to my mind with a fun fact that I learned recently. All these all the reviews of this are going to be like three somewhat funny guys trying to make depressing stories hilarious <laughs> and failing. <laughs> it's like going to be all the reviews one star. I'm not going to give away my source of who told me that though, but I, I believe the person who told me because they work on that, uh, that piece of the business. Uh, it's kind of like that idea that you, you talk to people about how drugs get moved around the United States and it's like UPS, FedEx, and the Postal Service. 
Like, those guys handle tons of drugs. They also steal a ton of the drugs. Mm. <laughs> so, there you go. I, I went into the wrong career. <laughs> Could have been. All right, Chris, which... What, what are you talking about? You're the new CEO so, of Bed Yeah, you'll do Beyond. great. They're going to listen to this, and well, some, some yeah. executives are going to be like, well, I don't know who this team is, but they're in. <laughs> it can't go worse. Hand over the keys. We're taking over. All right, Chris, Chris, what story you want to do next? Shopify saying no to meetings? That would be my vote, but we can go wherever you want. Yeah, let's do it. Let's do Shopify. So they, so they said just uh, no, no more meetings? You can't have meetings with over two people anymore? Yes. They also have installed the takeaway? a yeah. bot. No more threesomes. And there's, <laughs> they've installed <laughs> a bot in your Slack, in their Slack and their calendaring system that if you schedule a meeting that breaks their rules, uh, it sends you a notification and tells you you're on double secret probation. That's not real. No, it's totally in there. I read it in the story. It's under the Bloomberg story. It's there in the middle of the line. Wow. Here it is. How do, okay, so wait, if they, so say that again, if they, if they catch you scheduling meetings that are more than just like two people, they put you on probation, on meeting probation? Shopify said, I'm reading from the Bloomberg article, and you know you can trust the media. That's why, <laughs> that's what we all, that's why we're here. Here it is. Shopify said that a bot will serve as the new policies enforcer, reminding meeting organizers of the new rules starting yesterday, January the 5th. Hmm. So they have installed Big Brother to tell you if you're breaking the it meeting rules. It sounds like a great culture, if you ask me. Uh, it's bizarre to me, because if you're going to do this, like it seems like a fantastic idea, terribly implemented. Like What you need to do as the CEO is just go around and just tell everybody this is our new culture and, and push it and live it. And instead of doing that, it's like, no, no, here's what we're going to do. We're going to put a new chat bot into Slack, and uh, you're going to feel like just totally annoyed when you think there's something really important, but the chat bot is going to tell you you're on double secret probation. Like, that's not, that's not good. We so could we do, like, a, an entire series of, of things that's like shit CEOs do when their stock is down 96% <laughs> from all-time highs. And, like, this is one of those things, right? It's like... You sit around in a room and you go, you like start by blaming the Fed and then you blame like unproductive workers and then you go, oh, should we get everybody back in the office? And then when that doesn't work, it's like meetings, meetings are the problem. It's like, it's like, I think every company will go down this rabbit hole. They're maybe just like the first to do so publicly. Um, but it's, it's like, I, I do agree. Like meeting creep is a huge problem at the majority of companies, but the way that they're doing this is, is pretty insane. Yeah. In, in one of my 100%. group chats, uh, someone said that the only reason Toby is doing this is so that he has more time to play StarCraft. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe maybe it's just uh, that's the incentive all along is more time to play video games at home in between um, in between your work. Uh, it's so fascinating how they're doing this. I mean, that's just where I'm stuck. It's like like I read the article here and it's like Toby, who's the CEO and, and created the company, founded it with his folks. Like, the best thing founders can do is subtraction. It's much easier to add things than to remove things. If you say yes to a thing, you actually say no to every other thing that you could have done with that period of time. Like, that's so good. But don't create, like, a Slack bot and a calendar bot. Like, I just don't understand it. Like, it's like, it's like, an, it's like an engineer trying to throw a computer mm -hmm. at a people problem. And it's like, no, no, go fix the culture. Like, Jeff Bezos, like, has the two-pizza rule, right? You're, you can only have enough people in a meeting to have two pizzas. Like, he doesn't have, like, a pizza bot. <laughs> like, there's no pizza bot. Like, oh, no, like, we're going to screen all your calls to Domino's and, like, present, prevent you from ordering, like, more than one pizza. Like, it's just crazy. That would like, be funny, I though. just, yeah. 
That would be an amazing. We should start that rumor on Twitter. I'm going to tweet that right now. That would be that would be really great. It's like, oh, for this meeting, we saw you ordered more than two pizzas. Please downsize your meeting, or this will not be reimbursed on your next expense report. <laughs> but, but it's hard. Like you have, if you want to change a culture to where like you let people get up and walk out of meetings that are a waste of time, or say no to meetings. Like even with companies I've founded or where I'm on the board or like I own, like it's it's there's times where I'll go to meetings because I don't want to be a jerk. But like to have a culture and transition it, like it's not easy yeah. what they're trying to do. Yeah, and like remote. I mean, I tweeted about this and I got a ton of backlash, as uh, I think you both saw. But like remote work, it has its. Uh, I think someone said it's tolerable, but it sucks to do creative work, and it really does because you're like staring at people through screens all day long. You're not in person, not, not feeding off their energy. And this to me just makes that even harder. Like now you're creating either solo or maybe one-on-one, -on -one, like you find maybe the designer and engineer get together cause that's allowed or approved or whatever. But, um, yep. you know, it, it seems like they're creating a very large team of introverts and like, perhaps that's the company culture that they're going for and, and to each their own, but it just doesn't sound like, like, I don't love being on meetings all day. I like being on good meetings but there's a difference between good meetings and no meetings yeah the other thing that's fascinating about this article by the way is it says here here are the companies that have taken a lead uh in curtailing meetings tech firm twilio meta you know the former facebook and a company you'll never guess clorox clorox is that's the other the one taking company. the lead in fewer meetings <laughs> yeah it's like oh it's Clor well, well done Clor guys clorox <laughs> See how that works do they have you? an app <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah uh, it's just fascinating yeah. deal i mean meta meta meta's uh reduction in meetings i don't know will impact you know their actual problems of spending 10 billion dollars a year on vr goggles but you know it's uh it's a step in the right direction i guess i think like all these companies have fundamental other problems and they're just like they bring in a consultant and the consultant bills like $200,000 for like a week and they look at the culture and they go, okay, the problem is meetings and Shopify is just doing this in like a very, uh, like, you know, hands off awkward tech way, right. With the Slack bot. And it's like shitty for the people that work there. And I agree like the, the culturally that should be instilled in like so many better ways. Yeah. When you have a programmer CEO like that, it can be often awesome because they understand technology. Unfortunately to them, they often just like want to fix people problems by just like, oh, you know what we need to do? Spin up another AWS instance. Like put another server on it. That'll totally fix it. And it like it doesn't. Like you have to fix people problems with people solutions. And it's just – it's great ideas. But sometimes you're just like, ah, oh, I'm, so, I'm not so sure that's going to work the way you think it will. And, and I mean, I, I, I respect him as a, as a founder, but we also have to keep in mind that he had a NFT profile picture on Twitter for like a very long time. So he obviously is not afraid of doing embarrassing, like awkward stuff publicly. So this is just part of that whole theme. Uh, not dunking on him, just dunking on what this article says about the way it's going. I know we, did, we wanted this to be a fun, like positive pun podcast. And maybe I was the one like, no, I'm not going to be negative at all. And I've been negative on this idea for like 10 oh, minutes. Oh, man. Well... I am curious to hear it's how hard. it goes in a few weeks. Like maybe they'll come back and be like, guys, we, we fucked up. <laughs> like nothing got done the last there. We worked on all the wrong stuff the last month. But I actually think like Toby, for what it's worth, probably 
like his personality, if they fucked up and in three weeks he's like, yeah, we like didn't do the right thing. He would probably share that publicly. I don't think he would sugarcoat it to his credit. Yeah. Kudos to them for trying something, man. I mean, so many leaders just don't try anything out of the box and it's the best thing about having founder CEOs like that, right? They're just, they feel like they have agency to go in there and try stuff and Zuckerberg's, you know, moves, whether right or wrong, like, man, that's great. Like that's, that's, that's why founder CEOs work so well. Um, and more power to them. I hope it works out. I just don't get it based on this article. It, it does beg the question though, I guess separately, like how do you know if something like that works? Mm -hmm. Like I, I, I'm, I would be curious, like what the definition is, right? Like, do you, do you look at like employee feedback? Is it a revenue thing? Like obviously there was a series of like probably metrics and meetings and consultants and decisions potentially that like yeah. led to this. But, uh, yeah, I wonder, like it, it feels like giving it three weeks would be hard because you wouldn't have enough time to like really see sort of the, you know, the full ripple effects, but who knows? Yeah. Well, I, I mean, I think there's a level of quantification that you can do for sure, right? I'm sure Shopify is doing sampling of their employees to understand engagement and all that kind of stuff, whether it's Q12 or some other system. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's also when you're a CEO or you're on the board of one of these companies, you just start to get a feel if they're running well or not. And it's like all the little things together. When I sit on a board, I'm like, oh, like this is a company really running well because it's like those all the little things beyond just the numbers that you start to see. So, yeah. I would I would be surprised if they're not able to get a feel for how it's doing better in terms of morale, both quantitatively and qualitatively after six months. But yeah, yeah I mean, what do I know? The, the other thing you have to do as a company that's going less, uh, you know, less live meetings is you have to get really good at writing as your main form of communication. Like if they aren't good at, you know, writing yeah. documents, writing messages, uh, keeping people updated, like you now create this huge burden to... Uh, to share things asynchronously and, and, and that's challenging. Like most people I've worked with are not good writers and they're not good communicators. And so, um, uh, you know, I don't doubt that Shopify has probably hired a bunch of people who are good at written communication, but to be really good at it and replace that, um, uh, you know, sort of that, that live context, uh, that you get from actually talking to someone or being in a group with a room of people, um, that's challenging. Cool. All right. Any other stories we need to hit? We're 34 minutes in, which is about the time it takes somebody to commute. If they're, so if, using if they're still listening, we should definitely let them know uh, about the Greta dunk. I think that was like my favorite thing of that week. <laughs> if we want to go into that story. Uh, yeah. So tell, tell us about um, that. So uh, I'm not going to refer to the other guy by his by his real name to give him any more publicity than he already has. So I'll just go by like Tandrew 8 or something like that. Uh, anyway, there's this guy. He's a massive douche on the internet. He's gone viral in the last, I don't know, couple of years by turning his own personal brand into a multi-level marketing scheme is basically like the gist of what he did. So like any other uh, thinkfluencer on the internet, he launched a course. His course was how to get rich and become, you know, popular and all this stuff, but, and how to make money. And so, but the way to make money was by referring his course to other people. And then when other people signed up for his course, the people in his course made money. And you can imagine how this creates a big pyramid scheme for for his own brand on the internet. So anyway, he blew up on the internet. He's, he's very popular amongst, um, uh, a, a, I think, like more of a teenage male clientele is my guess. But um, he tweeted some dumb thing about like he has 33 cars and he doesn't care about the environmental impact and... Uh, uh, and he tweeted it at Greta Thunberg, who, if you remember her from like 10 years ago or whenever she was like 13, was sort of the face of the environmentalist movement. Um, and she quote tweeted him, 
uh, saying like, I would love to learn more. Please email me at smalldickenergy at getalife.com or something like, I forget the exact tweet, but it was like some incredible tweet. Uh, you know, dick jokes are funny generally. This one to me was extra funny because I think everyone has like Greta in their mind as this like middle schooler still from a decade ago. And so to see like Greta dunk on this guy who everyone knows is a douche with a dick joke, it just was like the perfect combinations of things that led to being one of the most viral tweets on Twitter of all time. So 3.9 million likes, 300 million views. Well, I mean, I think it also reflects kind of what, what we all suspect from these people who are like over the top masculinity, like on social media, is that they're definitely they're definitely um, compensating for something, right? <laughs> like mommy was too overbearing. There's some insecurities going on. Like there's, you know, that that was the best thing about the joke was just like her ability to take the thing we're all thinking, which is like, oh, hey, I know why you have a big truck. <laughs> A Bugatti. And like put it into a tweet. It's like, ah, and then, and then making it even more over the top because it's a, she's a climate activist who is, I believe, autistic. Is that right? Do I have that right in terms yeah. of like, yeah. are you guys Googling this? So. You both look at your keyboards. <laughs> I, I want to know the, I want to know the it exact se- seems, tweet. Seems so right. Can... <laughs> seems yeah, right. She, yeah. she is it, autistic from what I remember. I'm. She's only 20, right? I think Alex said before she's like 19 or 20, which in my mind, she's been like the middle school face of climate change for like 36 years so uh, i was shocked that somehow she's only like 19 or 20 but uh it's pretty wild i don't know i thought she was still 12 <laughs> her bio says she is an autistic climate climate justice activist so she self-identifies as a an autistic young lady yeah and in my head she was still 12 years old like i don't know the the thought of her ever growing up like never crossed my mind and so then when you see a tweet from her you're like whoa this is this is quite a fascinating twitter exchange that you're looking at right now and the exact tweet was yes please do enlighten me email me at smalldickenergy at getalife.com it's it's perfect like there's no better (laughs) professional dick joke insult that you could make ever it's it's the Mona Lisa of tweets. That's what it comes yeah. down to. Mona Lisa like, of dick jokes, good. for sure. Super good. This is this is where we do uh, this is where we do our uh, our, our ad read for uh, Andrew Tate's 10x Top G Masterclass. <laughs> Awkward that he's the sponsor, but uh, now we have to do the ad, so we're in kind of a tricky spot. But uh, uh, well, that we is one of the ideas week. that. That is one of the ideas Alex has put out for the podcast, which I think is genius, is letting failed, infamous startups sponsor the podcast. So this week's episode is brought to you by Theranos. Are you interested in getting control of your health and having more insight into what's going on? CEO Elizabeth Holmes and her friends have brought you the newest in blood testing. So anyway, we'll see see if that sticks. We need to start doing those next time. So when we close, Chris, I just got one more question. Did we let you talk enough? seemed like Alex and I did all the talking. Yeah, it was good. I, I felt like I uh, spoke a- appropriately long. I think that there's like these like programs that you can, uh, you know, do to like see who's talking the most, but it's fine. You know, I'll, uh, I'll take like 70% control on episode two. We'll go from there. <laughs> yeah. Well, we can rotate who hosts as well. I think that I, I just de facto started hosting because we click record and I started talking, but next time we can let one of you guys great. do it and we'll rotate you're, around. You're our Jason Calcanis. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> yeah j cal okay first first and last <laughs> podcast for me <laughs> is is alex uh chamath he's like working out of a gym right now 
uh, and I'll be. Oh, yeah. uh, You're gonna. I gotta post. Yeah, a you need to show your sure legs. Yeah, I gotta post a shirtless. Did you skip leg this. day? Did you skip leg year? I did. <laughs> <laughs> On that note, we'll click stop. All right. Well, thanks for everybody for listening. Hope you made it this far. We'll see you next week.